take your Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 19. I'm going to continue uh, what I uh, started last week on home improvement. And again, we're not talking about installing a hot tub or painting the walls or, or whatnot. We're talking about the family, the home, and the relationships that are there. But before we get, dive into that, I just want to say this about Jesus Christ because this Jesus is the foundation. Jesus is what's going to keep you, your family together. Jesus is what's going to keep your relationships what they ought to be. And in fact, I don't care if you're married or not. In any kind of relationship you have, if you have Jesus, if he is preeminent in your life, you're going to have the kind of relationship you ought to have. But there's a verse in the Bible in Hebrews chapter 13, and I, I thought I needed to just, again, make this point. Because we live in a day and age where many around us are denying Christ. Many around us are saying, you know, the problem we have in America is the church, is what's being taught, is the, the, uh, the independent thinking. Uh, they follow what the Bible says, and they believe that that's a problem. And so it can be discouraging if you watch the news if you listen to it on the radio, it can be discouraging. And especially today, if you drive up to the gas pump, how much, how discouraging that is. And, and even in the grocery store. So there's a lot of discouraging things around. But I want you to know, as it says in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Jesus that walked on the water, the same Jesus that spoke, peace be still, and the storm stopped, and the water was calm, and the wind stopped blowing. The same Jesus that healed the blind and caused them to see, the lame to walk, the deaf to hear. He's the same today. He's not lost any uh, uh, control over uh, matters. He is in control. And that's the word where the doctrine, the, the word we use there is immutability. It simply means, the doctrine of immutability means that God Almighty has never, can never, and will never change. And so this is good news. When it comes to the marriage relationship, when it comes to the family, this is good news. He hasn't changed. Has our society? Oh my, yes. They have redefined the family, or they have tried. And that's another reason they want us silenced. That's another reason they want to, uh, they talk about tolerance. They want us to tolerate, tolerate everything, but they don't want to tolerate us. And I, I'm not complaining here. I'm just stating a fact. Don't expect the world to applaud you. But that's exactly what they need. Uh, redefining the family, it's not, it's not hard. It's very simple. There is a man and a woman. They are different. And to us, we say, well, duh, that's a pretty... A uh, simple thing to understand, but to the world, I heard a, a person describing himself, you know, all these different pronouns you're supposed to know. I, you know, they, one guy was saying he was uh, some kind of gaseous thing. He just, he, he uh, wanted to be known as that. Uh, so there are some really strange things. Look, again, I state, I may, may keep, keep saying the same thing over and over, but this book right here, when you get away from it, when you, when you uh, have forsaken this truth, this is light. 
you're now in darkness the further you get away from it. And everything, your, your strangest imaginations of what uh, the world, what we see happening, played out before it. A world that has denied God. A world that knows the truth but has rejected the truth. Uh, the Bible calls that a, apostasy. But Jesus has never and will never change. I want you to know that today. You put your faith and trust in him, he will save you today, just like he did 2,000 years ago. And you can count on him. He is still God. He always will be. He is absolutely unchangeable. They can pass laws that they want. They can make all kinds of ridiculous statements, and they have. But Jesus will never change. So that is great news for all of us here. Uh, this, uh, uh, this is one of the essential doctrines. Why is that so important? Because if Jesus had to change, that would imply that he's not perfect. Now, you and I, all of us, need to continually be changing. If you're thinking here today, well, hey, you know, I'm, I'm perfect. I'm where I ought to be. You know, Everybody else ought to be like me. Well, uh, you know, you're, you have deceived yourself. The fact of the matter is, all of us fall way short of, of Jesus Christ. And we need to strive to be like him. Now, I say this because this is a very important truth, a foundational truth in any relationship. This is what's going to make a relationship what it ought to be if we understand that Jesus Christ, he is unchanging, and I need to strive to be like him. I don't, I don't need to try to fit in with what the government says. I don't have to try to fit in with what the society around me says. Honestly, I, I'm not worried about trying to learn new pronouns. If it's a guy, it's a guy. Now, there are, I'll, I'll, be, I'll give you this much. There are some I really don't know uh, by looking at them anyway. But uh, there is a difference. He was born a man. He's going to die a man. I don't care what he does. He's born or she's born a woman. She's going to die a woman. Again, it doesn't matter what changes, what things go on in her life. Uh, that was just a little free insert there on that part. But because change implies imperfection, we know Jesus Christ can never change. Let me read a few verses to you. You can jot them down if you want, um, but I want to read them. This, this truth, it's all through Scripture, just a few. Psalm 90, verse 2. Here it says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Before there was ever a mountain, before there was ever an earth, you see, God was, there is no beginning for him. And then Malachi says this in Malachi 3, 6, the Lord says, for I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. James chapter 1, verse 17 Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no well, variableness, no changeability there, no, no shadow of turning. Then one more, Revelation 1.8, where Jesus said, I am the Alpha and Omega. Those Greek words, that's the beginning of the alphabet and the end. I am the beginning and the end. He has no beginning, no end. The beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. And oh, I, that, you know what that also tells us? The fact of the matter that Jesus does not change 
The world may accept the sin of this of other people. You may, in your sin, feel comfortable in this world. <clears throat> but Jesus Christ has never changed his mind of what sin is. It's, it's still sin. Um, homosexuality is a sin. I, I don't hate those people. They're, they're welcome. They can even come to church. I'm not going to give them a platform. But they're welcome. They need the Lord. But it's a sin. That lifestyle is a sin. Abortion, it's murder. Stealing, it's, it's wrong. Uh, living together before marriage, it's wrong. I'm, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just pointing out what the Bible says. It's still black and white like this. He has not changed. With that in mind, let's read Matthew chapter 19. In verses 4 down through verse 6, as we did last week. And it says, he answered, Jesus is speaking here, answered and said unto them, have ye not read? Oh, I wonder, how many people have you talked to that haven't a clue what the Bible says? I know I've talked to many. Never read the Bible. And Jesus says to these religious leaders, haven't you read? You should know this truth. And he goes on, and uh, he, he says, um, have you not read? That he which made them at the beginning made them male and female. And, G and said, for this cause shall a man uh, leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, no more two, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Uh, by the way, I had the honor of doing that wedding yesterday for Selena and Garrett. And it was a beautiful wedding. I, I must admit, though, that was the, one of the first times I was just feet away from a pond and didn't even throw in a line. I was tempted, <laughs> but I did not do that. Um, we heard the frogs chirping behind us. It's a beautiful day. But even more beautiful than that is two young people who know the Lord and feel it's God's will for them to become one. And that's what took place yesterday. Pray for them. All right. So the modern family, uh, again, it's been redefined. It's, it's under assault today. It's under attack. They want to destroy the family. If they can destroy the family, it affects the church. And as what happens in the church affects the nation. And that's what, again, it's a, a domino effect of things. But I, I want to, uh, I don't want to go rehash everything, but this math, this unusual math of the Lord Jesus Christ, one plus one equals one. You have one man, one woman, as they come together in the unity of marriage, that equals one. It, may, it is unusual maybe to us. I must admit, though, it's not as unusual as some of this new modern math that they have. But, but it, is, it is true. If we would only follow uh, God's math, we would be much better off. But we talked last week that one plus one equals one physically. We're not just a, a, we're not an animal. We're, we're not, we're, we are distinguished from the animal. We are made in the image of God. And so there's a physical part, and that uh, we talked about, becoming one physically. We talked about becoming one psychologically. Now, uh, the key word here is communication. We, we, uh, you know, we think, we have, make decisions, we uh, uh, exercise our will. And so this is a matter of uh, mentally speaking, we become one, or so it should be. And when this is not followed, <clears throat> is when it does 
uh, create problems in a relationship. But the intellectual oneness we, we left off last week with, the key word there is communication. If you have a job, which I think most of you here have a job, it is important to communicate with your, if you have employees that work for you or you have an employer, if there is no communication, it's going to be a problem. And especially even in our relationship as a church family, if we don't communicate, uh, you know, I, there's been times where people said, well, pastor, you should have known. Maybe I should have, but I'm a little slow. Sometimes I need you to tell me. Sometimes I need you to say, hey, pastor, I need you to pray for me. I've got this situation. I don't always know. Uh, maybe that's my flaw, okay? I, I can't know everything, but, uh, and neither can any of us. We need to communicate with one another. We need to talk, but definitely in a marriage relationship. Without communication, boy, it's, it's going to be very uh, hard to, to have the kind of marriage you should have. But you remember we talked about learn to listen to the other person? Now, I, I, I'll be honest. I've been guilty of this, that where someone's talking and I'm already thinking about what I want to say, and so I'm really not listening to what they're saying. I, I think that it's more important that they hear what I have to say. But we need to be good listeners. And sometimes, you know, the best thing we could do, uh, again, um, as men, I, I don't know, maybe it's a, something in us, we are designed, we want to fix things. So we want to have an answer for everything. The honest truth is, we don't have an answer for everything. And, but, and sometimes the best thing we could do is just keep our mouths closed and just listen. So that's good communication, uh, is learning to listen to the other person. Uh, get rid of some of those distractions. If it's a husband and wife in a relationship, it's good to have a time where you can get rid of the distractions and uh, listen to one another. Learn to handle your anger. Remember last week we talked about uh, some people handle it different ways. Some people blow up like a ticking time bomb. You say the wrong thing or you look at them the wrong way, kabooey, and they blow up. Or they clam up. That's just as bad, if, if not worse. I mean, they... They decide that they're not going to speak to the other person. And, um, and then there's those that throw up, uh, that bring up all the other stuff that's happened 20 years ago. And uh, do you remember what you did 10 years ago? I can't remember what I did 10 minutes ago. But, uh, but anyway, that's how some people handle it. And, but we need to learn to, uh, uh, to open up and learn to properly express ourselves. Then... Uh, and again, I, I just want to throw out these points we talked about. Learn to avoid certain words. You know what buttons can, your, your spouse, you know what buttons to push to really set them off or to get them uh, upset or what, whatnot. Those buttons, you may know, are not there for your advantage. Uh, don't, don't use those words. Don't use the things that are going to upset your spouse. And so learn to avoid certain words. Learn to not dwell on the past. I kind of mentioned that already. Some people walk their, around their whole life with a truckload of past. And so every time there's a discussion, they want to rehash all of this stuff. We need to deal with that stuff. And sometimes it's, with God's help, we need to put it behind us and go forward. Well, then be careful what you say. 
Be careful how you say it. Be careful when you say it. Um, you, you know, if your husband's under the hood of the car, I guess some of you, it happens, and he's all dirty, he's working, and he's already frustrated because something's not working the way it's supposed to work, that's probably not the best time to uh, bring up a conversation and then get upset yourself because he won't talk to you. Um, or, you know, it goes both ways. Just, just be careful uh, how you say it or when you say it. Be careful why you say it. And so those are some uh, good tips. Now, I want you to turn your Bibles over to Ephesians chapter 4 because this, speaking about communication, this is talking about how a Christian, how a believer is supposed to behave if they're indwelt with the Spirit of God, this is how they should behave. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. It says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. I'm sorry, I'll let you find that there. But grieve not, uh, Ephesians 4.30, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. And here's, here's some key verses. I think if we would practice these in our uh, marriage relationships, it would go a long way in healing a lot of wounds. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And look at that next verse, be ye kind one to another. Sometimes some spouses are kinder, friendlier with total strangers than they are with their own spouse. Practice trying to be kind to one to another, tender-hearted, and there's a key word, forgiving, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Did you realize, I'm sure you do now, but your spouse is not perfect? In fact, none of us are. You married a, a sinner. I, every one of us are sinners. So learn to be patient. Learn to uh, uh, model yourself after Jesus Christ. So then I want to mention about this emotional oneness. The word operative here is the word consideration. Well, it seems in a lot of in, in our society, there's very little consideration for other people. It's all me, what, do I, what I want. I demand to have this. And so we have to learn to, to consider, to be considerate of one another in a good relationship. Uh, it's not all about when you got married, it's no longer what I want, it's what we need, what we want. It's uh, no longer just about you, it's about that other person. And so there are three basic needs every individual has. Number one, every person needs to be loved. It's true. I know some of you say, well, I don't really need it. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Uh, you may not admit it. But it is absolutely true, every individual needs to be loved. And uh, so remember that in a good relationship. If you love that person, you're going to put them before yourself. And every person needs to be respected. We, uh, you know, they, they need to feel that they have self-worth, that um, uh, they are a, a person that matters. Respect, that goes a long way. Every person needs to feel appreciated. We need loved, or need to be loved. We need to be respected. We need to feel appreciated. And they need to feel like what they do really does matter. And uh, uh, that it matters to their spouse, that it matters to someone, that someone is appreciative 
of the things they do. So consideration goes a long way towards helping a marriage be what it ought to be, being considerate. You know, I went to uh, college. I lived in a dorm. I'm telling you what, that is one area you find out who's considerate and who's not. And you, dorm life can prepare you for marriage, uh, if, especially if a guy or a girl is never, you know, they don't, they're not raised in a family where they're the only child. It's good to kind of learn how to relate with other people. And that's, if you've never been in a guy's dorm, that's probably the closest thing I know of purgatory, but uh, it can be an awful experience. Some people are totally inconsiderate. And they're not even thinking about uh, others. You know, they, they're like the guy that'll come in, it may be midnight, he comes in and flips all the lights on because he wants to be able to see. Everybody else is in bed. And, uh, and I, I remember one fella, he, uh, I used to get some care packages from home and I had some cookies and things hidden. In, well, in fact, at first I didn't hide them, but somebody kept eating them. So then what I did, I, I'll confess, I put some of these X-Lax skills uh, in these chocolate chip cookies, made them up, and I hid them. Now I hid them. I, I, I put back in a drawer, and this fella got into them. He ate almost half of the batch. I, I don't need to tell you what happened after that, but uh, he never did bother my cookies after that. But, you know, we need to be considerate of one another. And uh, I just re am reminded of that in those kind of situations. I heard about a couple who was having a little spat, and finally the man said to his wife, you must think I'm a perfect idiot. And she said, no, I wouldn't say anybody was perfect. Uh, but getting married is kind of like buying a CD. You might buy a CD, maybe it's for one song on that CD. Maybe there's a couple others on there you like, but the rest of them, maybe you don't even like at all, are, you know, they're nothing you want to listen to. You, you buy it for that CD, but you get the whole thing. And so every one of us, we have our flaws, we have, we're not perfect, we've established that, we're all sinners. So when you get married, don't expect that that man is going to be a perfect uh, prince, that he's going to be like that fairy tale, um, or that she is going to be that princess who always does everything you tell her to do. And no, it doesn't work that way. Um, and you, you fell in love with that person because of this or that or these things. But there's other things that you may not, uh, maybe you didn't catch when you were dating, when you were courting one another. But now that you're married, realize that these things, you, you know, you, they all come with that person. You love that person. And love is a choice. You chose to love that individual. And so there will always be some measures, uh, measure of incompatibility with, uh, with each other. Because men are different than women. I know that's a rare statement today, but it's still true. And uh, therefore, there are going to be some differences. Um, men are kind of like hunters, you know, when it comes to relationships even. They, they before they're dating, boy, they want to put on a good front. So they'll do everything they can to lure her in to the trap and to catch her. And now they are victors. They married her. They've got their prize. And then there's not much effort made in the relationship because, you know, I've already conquered. I already won. But we know, listen, you must 
maintain a relationship. Now, that's all in the Word of God, but uh, just saying it uh, logically, if you, you men that own a car, which I think all of us here do, we wouldn't think of driving that car 10,000 miles without ever opening the hood and checking the oil. Uh, no, we, there, you know, we wouldn't think about never checking the tires. Never, we, we are concerned about maintaining the vehicle. Why? Well, it's important to us, that vehicle. We want it to get from point A to point B. We want it to be reliable. Therefore, we take care of it. But do you know there are some men that take more care of their vehicle than they do their relationship with their wife? That will not be. I, again, it goes both ways, but maintaining that relationship. Let me get into my last point, and I'm done. So one plus one equals one uh, physically, one psychologically, and then number three, one plus one equals one spiritually. Now, you are more than a, a body of skin and bones and organs. You are more than a soul with thoughts and feelings and with drives. You, you, you are also spirit. And, and, and that means that you have a spiritual nature. Did you realize that every man, woman, and child, every individual that's ever been born has been born with a need in their life, a need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ? That there's an emptiness. I can remember it. I was saved when I was 13 years old. But I remember that void that was in my life. I thought religion would fill that void. It did not. I, I thought trying to do good things would fill that void. It did not. Not until I gave my life to Jesus Christ. There, that spiritual need was met. So we are, are spiritual beings. And you have a spiritual nature. That means you and I have a capacity to relate to God. We're not animals. I know we're told that for, for, for years, that we evolved from an animal. As I've heard many preachers say, I may have had ancestors who swung from the tree by their neck, but none who swung from the tree by their tail. And I would agree with that. We are not uh, in any way, are, have we evolved from an animal? We were created by God in his image. We, have the, we can relate to God. Animals cannot. Uh, we have a soul. We have a spirit. Animals do not. But if you do not understand the spiritual component of marriage, of a family, you may have everything else that a family needs, you will, but you will still have that gnawing feeling that something's missing. You may have the home, you may have the car, you may have uh, uh, all those things that uh, you think are required to have a good family, but the thing that you may have neglected, maybe you didn't know, is your relationship. That's what's missing, your relationship with God. What will be missing is a spiritual oneness. And so I, I say that because the Bible warns us. And I believe the most important thing that we need to learn in a, a good marriage relationship, in a good family relationship, is that we need to be like Jesus Christ. And I read those verses earlier. It says he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I've heard people say, well, I have fallen out of love. I don't love that person anymore. Now, the, listen, again, as I mentioned a moment ago, love is a choice. You chose to love that person. God can give you the feeling. And I, I, that's important. But the main thing is, if we both 
are saved and striving to be like Jesus, and there's that triangle. Your husband is at one corner of the triangle, and the wife's at the other bottom corner of the triangle. And as they draw closer to God individually, they draw closer to one another because God's at the top. And so that's just a, a way to illustrate that relationship. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, 25, Husbands, love your wives. How? Even as Christ also loved the church. And so how did he love the church? Well, Jesus loves us, and he gave himself on the cross of Calvary. He died for our sins. So that's why God, um, you know, it's so important that, that God re shares with us here that to, in order to have the kind of relationship we should, both individuals should be saved. You see, uh, Christ gave himself for the church. Christ loved the church. We have to learn to love like Jesus. And you really can't do that if you don't know Jesus. Now, can an unsaved couple have a good relationship? Yes, they can have a good, but it cannot be what it could be with God. I'm just stating a, a, a fact here. Unless the Spirit of God dwells in the hearts of both individuals, the marriage will never be all that God wants it to be. Listen to this verse, this warning. 2 Corinthians 6.14 Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? Now, if you've been here uh, for a long time, you've heard me many a time say that. For our young people, I, I try to always warn them. As a believer, you should not date, not have a, a, a relationship in that sense with an unsaved individual. And uh, so I, I encourage you to take this warning because that person that does not know the Lord, they can never be like Christ until they know Christ. And so I would encourage you to take, be cautious in that. Even with both partners, when both husband and wife are saved, it's still hard to love your spouse like Jesus loved the church. And so, listen, it's, it's real hard for you to love your mate as you should at all times. But, um, but it's not for the reason you may think. Yes, you say, well, preacher, you got that right. If you, if you understand, if you knew the husband I have, you would understand the real battle I have. Or if you knew the wife that I'm married to, Boy, you would then understand the problems that are going on. But listen, the real problem here is not the other person, it's you. That's right. It's hard for you to, to love your mate, not because of them, but because of, of, of your, you. you. You know, here's the problem. We are all basically selfish. We're human beings. We have that human nature still there that old nature is still there even as a believer and so and most of us enter a marriage with the wrong idea we're entering that relationship of what i can get out of this relationship it's all about me when we ought to be entering that relationship of what can i give to this other individual and and so uh i've seen it too many times a young couple will come in all goo-goo-eyed, and they think, boy, it's everything that's just perfect, and, and uh, they're, they're heading for what they believe is Shangri-La. You know, they're, they're all excited, but some, in some cases, they don't know it, but they're heading for World War III uh, because they're not uh, uh, 
heeding the word of God. A lot of couples enter marriages like, uh, well, they kind of enter like two ticks on a dog. And you know what a tick is. It's a parasite who just uh, sucks blood from the dog and, and takes and does not give. And, that's, and so here you have, you have the two ticks, but you don't even have a dog, and they're just taken from one another continually, and that's a horrible uh, environment for any kind of a relationship. And so you have two people who are draining the life out of one another and with neither one of them contributing to the relationship. Well, then uh, let me, uh, I, I don't want to take a whole lot, a lot of time on this point here. Um, the best thing that could happen in, in our homes is for both the husband and the wife to become more like Jesus. Let me ask you. I don't, I'm not looking for an answer, not looking for you to raise your hand, just give it some thought. Are you like Jesus? Do you behave like Jesus? Do you talk like Jesus? And again, I'd be the first to say I fall way short of that. Let me rephrase it. Are you trying to be like Jesus? Or are you trying to do, uh, by the way, and there's lots of advice out here, isn't there? You've got this psychiatrist over here. You've got this psychologist here. You've got this preacher here, this person here. You've got friends at work, and they're all saying, oh, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. Uh, listen, let's not allow society or friends or anyone else for that matter be our guide. Let Jesus be your guide. And so if, if you would forever revolutionize your, your marriage, and, and, and that's a great home improvement project, by the way. If you're not saved, get saved. That's going to improve uh, a marriage. Uh, but let me make some suggestions here to you. If you are saved and you want to strengthen your home, your family, then it, if you know Christ as your Savior, I want to suggest to you that you in institute a family altar. What I mean by that is every day read some scripture. If and it doesn't have to be long. I would suggest before the days you get off on your day, before the kids go to school, just sit down five minutes, read some scripture and pray. Pray for them as they go out into the world and they face what they're going to face that day. You moms and dads need to pray for those boys and girls as they go to the schools that they're in. Pray that God will protect them. Pray that God would give them courage to live for him in grace. You wives, you need to pray for your husbands as they walk out the door. You husbands need to pray for your wives as they may go off to work and, and do the things that they need to do. But start the day reading the Bible, having a family altar. That'll go a long way in improving your uh, home life. Then you need a family pew. You've got the family altar, that's at home. The family pew at church. I know... I appreciate all of you folks that are here this morning, but we have uh, we have people who just you know it's a, it's a kind of the it's on the list, but it's not a priority. I would I'd encourage you to come when the doors are open. Come Sunday night, come Wednesday night, and and so some people have built their lives around the Knobs Baptist Church. That's not a bad thing, and where they are realizing the importance of, of coming together as a family in the house of God. 
and I would encourage that. And it doesn't mean that uh, the people that do build their lives on, in the church, do, trying to be faithful to God's house, doesn't mean they're not going to have any problems. It doesn't mean they have, uh, won't have any difficulties. It doesn't even mean that maybe some of their children might wander off into the world. But what it does mean is they have before them the resources and they have with them the, the family of God to help uh, strengthen their family. And they have the, the uh, opportunities that are only going to be found in the house of God. So it will, take, uh, it will make a difference if you will establish a strong church relationship in your marriage and in your family. Um, then I'm, I'm calling on all families to work towards that spiritual oneness. Do you, you, those couple simple things, a family altar, being faithful to church, uh, you know, family altar, reading the Bible, praying together. You say, well, my child's only two years old. That's all right. Have them there while you read. In fact, we were reading Bible when our kids were not born yet, uh, reading to the child in the womb and have it, even playing uh, some nice music. You know, try to get them. And they, they, there are things that they, they hear in the womb. That's not a, a, a mass of, of, of just cells and doesn't. No, it's a human being. Anyway, so pray together. Study the word together. Love Jesus Christ together. And then watch him change your home. Do you know Jesus Christ himself went into homes all the time in the New Testament? And every home that he went into when he left, it was radically changed. That's what Jesus wants to do in our homes. He wants to be invited in. He wants to be preeminent in our homes and to help us build and establish the relationships that will be honoring to him. And uh, then you will be able to pray together, stay together, study together, love Christ together. So one plus one equals one. Now, you may think that's strange math, but uh, he is able to take two people from two totally different backgrounds and bring them together in Jesus Christ and make them one physically, psychologically, and spiritually. I, I think that's a wonderful thing, a beautiful thing. And so I wonder today, maybe some need to come and bring their families to the altar and pray with them. Or even better is to make a commitment right here, right now, that we're going to establish I'll be honest, I think that the man should be the spiritual leader in the home. It doesn't really matter what I think. The scriptures tell us the man should be the spiritual leader of the home. It should be the man who says, we're going to read our Bibles together. We're going to take this time. I know it's going, to, it, it's going to be an effort because it doesn't just happen. You know how it is. Things are always happening that mess up our schedule. But you make that a point. Just as important as it is when I clock into work, this is even more important, that I take the time to uh, read the Bible and pray. Start with a few verses. Just start with a, a five minutes. Start with something and uh, establish that in your homes. That will go a long way in home improvement. And uh, then, of course, the uh, being faithful to the house of God. But whatever God has spoken to you, maybe there's someone here. You're... you're um, you, in, I'm not talking about uh, a marriage relationship or anything. I'm just talking about individually. If you died right now, you don't know that you'd go to heaven. 
you're not 100% sure. Now, I already told you we're all sinners, but you can know for sure because God told us we could know that. And I would advise you, I would strongly urge you, beg you to come trust Christ as your Savior. And moms and dads, whatever you need to do, do it today.